Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus, and thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. On this show... We have heard from hundreds of people who've been harassed by Trump and Trumpites. They've been sent rape imagery, gas chamber imagery, lynching imagery, simply for being critical of the president. I've had a glimpse of this myself periodically. Trumpites don't listen to this show, as far as I know, but at times when they haven't liked a tweet of mine or a column, they rake me over their MAGA Coles and Breitbart or Daily Caller or RT, that's Russia Today, has in the past rolled in to finish the job. I get on lists called brain damage and Trump derangement syndrome and, of course, more on lib. You know how you used to have seared in your brain every cruel thing anyone ever said about you? That doesn't happen after these trolling jamborees. I actually can't remember the words anymore. They blur together. But I know that during the Trumpite attacks, there are really dark days, and you become hypervigilant when all that language is coming at you, like sniper fire or napalm, from people who keep telling you how much they want to hurt your children and how many guns they have. But that kind of trolling is nothing compared to what happens to people like Christine Blasey Ford or Congressman Adam Schiff or Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, whom the president himself tweets about. When this happens, the attacks become dangerous. They're ceaseless. The trolls find your house and the death threats are credible and you have to hire security or move. Everyone around you has his or her life upended too. Sometimes the kids have to move schools. And the function of these trolling campaigns is to defeat your will to fight, to work, and ultimately to live. And then there's Kathy Griffin. Kathy has gotten it the worst of almost anyone I've ever talked to. She's been a practicing comic for something like 45 years, done family stuff, edgy stuff, roasts, celebrity satire, sitcoms, reality, USO tours. She was on her way to a a retirement as like a Carol Burnett figure or a Joan Rivers figure. Her stand-up shows have sold out for decades, and she's brilliant and tireless, and everyone performs better when she's around. Kathy Griffin can do anything. And then she did a day of photos satirizing Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. That's it. And when the Trump photo got out, an image of Kathy holding his head like Medusa with Perseus and nota bene, it was not actually Donald Trump's head severed from his body. Fire and fury came down on her so hard that it's amazing she made it to tell the tale. It's a huge tale, and you've probably never heard it before, even if you've seen that image of Kathy Griffin with Donald Trump's fake head. Kathy is my guest today to talk about her last three and a half years and how she rose from the D-list to become the Hanoi Jane of our time. Kathy, welcome to Trumpcast. 
I'm thrilled to be here. I'm a little too excited to have you here because you're my friend. And we bonded initially over the HBO documentary series, which we both loved, called, um, oh my gosh, I just blanked. It's the story of Michelle McNamara, the oh, amazing true crime yes. writer. Yes, yes, yes. Her, like, I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. And then she kind of ended up solving the BTK serial killer case. Yep. And ended up overdosing, in my opinion, accidentally. But I remember I was looking at the hashtag because I thought that series was so well done and so moving and like it really stuck with me. And I knew her a little bit. And I was just was looking at the freaking hashtag and I was like, oh my gosh, Virginia Hepperton. And so then I think I DM'd you said, we must be friends. That's like a Twitter meet cute. That's how that happens. And I knew Michelle a little bit too, as you know, and was kind of in a, I don't know, I was in a wedding with her. I was in a Las Vegas um, bachelorette party with her actually, and just adored her and her story of unmasking the BTK killer. There've been so many stories like this, and you can see I'm connecting this to your story, sort of David and Goliath stories, but often with a woman at the center of it. So like during these four years, we had kind of proxy and practice for the bringing down of Donald Trump in the form of all the Me Too allegations, investigations, and, and ultimately prosecutions. And you were really the leading edge in thinking this way about Donald Trump. You were before Stormy Daniels, before... By the way, my, my friend, my friend Stormy Daniels. Your friend. Thank you. I had a dinner party for her at my home in her honor because that's my new thing. I learned that from Gloria Vanderbilt. When you have a dinner party, you make sure yeah. to tell someone it's in their honor. And when the other guests arrive, you tell each one of them it's in their honor, which I works every time. So you know. And then they stay late and they're like something about it. It's just a great party. And usually you get flowers, but I digress. So yeah, so okay. Story Daniels, of course, I have a natural affinity for. And all the the E. Jean Carrolls and all the women along the way who have participated in some way, hopefully fearlessly, in you know anything from shining a light on Donald Trump to taking him down. So I, um, you know, should I give a little recap of the story for your four viewers that maybe haven't heard? <laughs> some people really know your story, and some people don't know it at all. And then there's some people who know parts of it. But I want this show to be the like the soup to nuts. Version. The reveal. The reveal. It's got it all. Okay. So start us start us on the date. And I don't even know how you came up with the artifact. That's what I'm going to call it. I don't even know how it started. Okay. Who had this idea? And so I was doing... Well, first of all, let me just say, I, there's lots of full disclosure in this story. And one of them is I was 57 years old. I'm 60 now. And one of the reasons I was doing a wacky photo shoot at my house is that when an actress comedian is of a certain age, you know, the work kind of dries up. And, you know, I'm one of those that I've been around for so long that it wasn't horribly long ago that, you know, a, a producer was saying things to me. In fact, it was actually right before the photo shoot in, in 2017. A producer was saying things about like, who do you think is fuckable around? Look around this room. Who's fuckable? You know, and I was like, I'm, I'm a chick. I don't, I don't know. Who are you talking to? But I think when you're a female comic, a lot of those bros, um, they don't even think you're a female. They just kind of think you're one of them maybe. And so that's kind of been my story. So with that background, I try to be as enterprising as I can and always have, knowing that I don't quite fit the mold. And, um, you know, I've had television series and I've, I've been fired more than I've been hired and all kinds of stuff. And so sometimes when a gal such as myself is between gigs, I'll do like a kooky photo shoot for nothing, you know, for no money, just for fun. And 
there is a photographer who um, I actually won't name because he didn't give me the copyright to the picture. I kind of wish he would have. But anyway, but look, I I actually think he's a good shooter. And um, there's that. And so uh, his name is Tyler Shields. Fine. But anyway, um, and I had done a shoot with him before and he does gutsy stuff. And and I'm a comic, right? So I feel like it's not like I'm doing an ad campaign. I'm obviously not an elected official. So we had done three photos earlier at my house. One of them was I was spoofing my then next door neighbor, Kim Kardashian West. You heard me. Love it. That was, by the way, heaven. Living next to them was heaven. They were the The best best. neighbors I ever had. Super polite and wonderful. And she's Mother Teresa now. She's like Sister Pre-Jean. She's done more for uh, prison reform than anyone in this current administration. And I was doing a spoof of her. So I had like this wacky bathing suit and I was like trying to stick my ass out and the whole thing. And I had taken some other sort of silly photos that I really, I thought, you know, if they end up in like a magazine or like a freaking gay blog, great. And if not, I'll throw them up on Twitter or Instagram or something. And then... Um, the photographer and I discussed doing something that would be like a very in-your-face photo slash statement slash joke. It's certainly up for interpretation about Trump. And, you know, I've known Trump for about 25 years off and on. I met him when he was, um, he had a few lines on this sitcom I used to be on in the 90s called Suddenly Susan with Brooke Shields. Mm, um, loved it. Exactly. The, uh, quality. And, uh, you know, I remember he, he came to the set that day and he was with Marla. She was a showgirl. I mean, that's how long I've known this fool since Marla. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've interviewed him before um, prior to doing New Year's Eve on CNN, which I've famously been fired from. I did CNN on NBC with Carson Daly. And I, one year I interviewed the Donald and the Melania from Mar-a-Lago because I think Carson was like, will you interview the Donald? And I was like, and I remember saying, I really want to interview the Melania because I think that would be funnier, like asking about foreign policy. And, you know, so I had fun with that. And over the years, you know, as, as you know, being a New Yorker, this guy would show up to the opening of an envelope. So it oh, yeah. wasn't unusual for someone who worked in television to, to know the Donald. And when I was at NBC and Bravo. Your show, My Life on the D-List, which you're about to allude to, which is was such a great undertaking and hilarious and must-see. You know, I mean, the words landmark, Virginia. Landmark. A landmark. A bellwether? <laughs> bellwether. Yes. Um, I don't know what that is in real life, but I know that it's, you're supposed to use it for important things. Anyway, okay. landmark bellwether show, D-List. I mean, he was, I don't I think he might have been an N-list among billionaires so or among rich people. So no real rich person would socialize with him at their, you know, more Aster style events, but he would come and slum it. He was always a joke. I mean, this is, this is what, you know, it's like New Yorkers and television people know this. I don't know about the rest of the world. And, but you know, when I was all those years at NBC Universal, which is the parent company for Bravo, and he was doing the Celebrity Apprentice and stuff, he was just a buffoon. But I will say, I think most people really thought he was harmless. You know, I think people mm-hmm. knew he had gone bankrupt several times. That was all over the news, you know, and he just was this buffoonish character who, who seemed kind of harmless. And frankly, mm-hmm. in the primetime Mark Burnett reality world, perfect casting. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. He was this wacky yeah. character. And so um, that I would have many run-ins with him over the years. I One time I sat next to him at, at a roast at like the, you know, I think it's the Hilton on 6th where they do all those and I sat next to him for like four hours. So it's just one of those things where when you've been around like me, you kind of run into this fool over and over. So mm-hmm. anyway, this was, like I said, this was May uh, 2017. And, you know, I certainly felt like, I certainly even at that point had had it with people 
regular folks as well as the media portraying him as like kind of a little bit funny and a little bit whimsical. And, you know, I remember my my uh, former New Year's Eve uh, partner, Anderson Cooper, saying, you know, I just, I like him better than Hillary because he's, he, he gives you so much more access. It's so hard to get to Hillary. Like, you know, it's kind of refreshing. I can go interview Trump like backstage at a rally, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, of course you can. He's like a former reality star. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so anyway, I don't know, just as a woman, of course, watching all the stuff. And the only thing I, I knew about him, because I can't act like I knew him really super duper well. I've just always known that he's very, very stupid. He's not smart at all. I have had enough of these conversations with him to know I've spent time with him in small spaces alone. I spent, you know, I, I tell one story in my act about being backstage for quite a while with with the Donald and Liza Minnelli because he hired me one time to roast him. He paid me $50,000 to roast him one time for an episode of The Apprentice. And, you know, he's just- Oh my God, ex- I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah, to roast him. So it's not like he doesn't know what I do. And by the way, I'm not really a roaster, but, you know, yeah. I'll go in hard somebody if I feel they deserve it. And, you know, I punch up. I mean, I'm not, this guy's fine. You know, like all the other people make fun of, he seems to be fine, you know. And so anyway, at the time I was discussing with the photographer, what's kind of a a, a photo, you know, we can do about Trump. And and then I had an assistant. And even that day I said, can you go to like a a Halloween store or something and get anything like Trumpian? And so he came back with a Halloween mask and a few other sort of props. I think he had like a little doll or something like that. And he had like an American flag and stuff like that. So we ended up deciding to do a Trump mask covered in like ketchup and red food dye. And I was going to, I was holding that up and it kept folding inward. So I had like a styrofoam wig head upstairs. So we put the wig behind it. And then, you know, when the photo was taken, he, he was able to cut the sort of styrofoam part out of it. And we took the photo and obviously people thought it looked a little too much like a decapitated head. And to this day, there are a lot of people, okay, right wing on parlor, but there are a lot of people that think I was holding a severed head of any kind, so as if I keep oh. my severed heads in my refrigerator. Just like a all bleeding severed head that you could then like, ma- as one does, make it up with the f- look of Donald Trump. And that's this week funny. on Hoarders. Yes. This week and, on Hoarders, exactly. You know, that was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.